race is on. But for Sebastian Vettel, his race at Ferrari is almost run, with confirmation he will leave at the end of the 2020 season, whenever that finally happens. We don't yet know where he's off to and who his Ferrari replacement will be, but that gives us plenty to talk about on this edition of the Race F1 Podcast Extra. I'm Ed Straw, and joining me today is Scott Mitchell. Hello, Scott. I'm delighted to see that you've, you've dressed up for the occasion. You seem to have your NASA jumper on. Yep, I do. Uh, it's um, It's been a long day. I woke up at 5am Swedish time, um, and it, when, when, you're, when you're up that early, it certainly wasn't by choice. Uh, I woke up obviously really early. I saw what had uh, had come out o- overnight, the, the media reports in Germany, and sort of sprung into action. But when you're when you're trying, even when you're working from home, uh, or especially when you're working from home, rather, that is a time of the, that is the time of day for for comfortable clothing. And my baggy NASA jumper, which I picked up ahead of last year's United States Grand Prix, is ab- absolutely fits the bill. It's not so much stylish, but I've never been one for style, have I? I've always tried for substance over style, and I, I just about manage it, but not because I'm full of substance, but it's because I'm so low on the style side. Well, I, I, I like the, uh, the NASA look. I'm, I'm always... Uh, like Johnson Space Centre, I, I have to go there every few years, so uh, with a bit of luck, we can go back there this year if the United States Grand Prix uh, actually happens as it should do. Uh, but let's get on with the matter at hand. Sebastian Vettel, he will not drive for Ferrari next year. Now, Scott, this is not a total surprise, but there was a point where both sides were clear they wanted to continue. At the heart of this seems to be the, the terms on which Vettel might continue and the implicit status attached to those terms so why has this happened yeah i think status is the is the right word to use there because seb insists that it's not a financial issue um i think it's i think it's 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 slightly difficult to know because all we've had so far really is vettel sort of um sort of giving us an emphatic reason uh, emphatic thing that wasn't the reason not the financial side but uh, talking about how you need to have harmony uh, on both sides to have success in Formula One, and also the the fact that him and Ferrari just mutually got to the point where they didn't want to continue with one another. I think that I think that Leclerc has absolutely ousted uh, Vettel from Ferrari, not necessarily by intention or through nefarious means, just by being damn good. And I think it's pretty clear from what Vettel says that what he sort of viewed as the best way forward and what Ferrari viewed as the best way forward simply weren't aligned. My suspicion is that means that. He, even if it wasn't a financial thing, he no longer saw himself as having the position and status within the team that he wanted. He didn't think that it was necessarily the best way forward. He didn't want to play a number two role or a de facto number two role, um, having enjoyed the authority that he's had for, for so long. So it is a, it's a big shame. Um, as you say, maybe not an entirely, maybe not a huge surprise, but I am a I am a little bit caught out because, as you said, all of the noises from both camps were positive for so long, but they've just they've just diverged when it really mattered. Yeah, I think the the key is that Vettel was being offered a deal that wasn't as long as perhaps he would have liked, and wasn't for as much money as he'd have liked. And like you say, it's what that reflects. It's the status in the team that makes all the difference. And no matter what people say, and there'll be people in the Leclerc camp and people in the Vettel camp, performance dictates your status in the team that that's what happens and Vettel's performance overall last year and by that I don't just mean pace because his pace while he had that long run in the middle of the season when he was slower than Leclerc he did pick up at the end of the season but it's the overall performance and that means eliminating mistakes delivering in races it wasn't quite there and like you I'm a bit surprised they didn't eventually come to an agreement because I thought the fact that the cars are being carried over to next year 
that favours stability. I thought that would make it more likely he'd continue. Both sides had a general desire to continue and not uh, not rock the boat at this stage. But uh, yeah, clearly they couldn't actually do it on the terms they wanted. That probably says a, a fair bit about Vettel. People like to paint him as petulant, etc. But you can also say he's a four times world champion who knows his status and knows what he thinks he needs in the team to give himself the best chance of performing. And being a de facto number two, and it is de facto number two through through those terms because it wouldn't be a, an explicit type thing just is not what he wants no and and I think all credit to him for for not just wanting to sort of he, he could have had a payday couldn't he if he could have had a a swan song that that earned him uh plen- plenty million extra euro at the end of his uh his career um or he could go and 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 try and, and nick a payday elsewhere but I, I just don't really see that the, the fact that he's walking away from Ferrari which is his best option for a competitive seat beyond 2020 shows that shows that he won't just simply settle for for being in F1 um for for the sake of it and for 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 money because if if that was the case then he would just park up as number 2 at Ferrari and and earn a really really good living from it as well for an extra year two years three years but instead I, I think he's pushed himself to the point where he's basically saying I, I i haven't been able to get exactly what i want i don't want to just sort of stick around for the sake of it even if sticking around means staying with ferrari and i'm seriously considering leaving and i think that is probably i can't really read sebastian's mind but based on how he is normally and sort of where he sees his where he puts his priorities what he's like as a, a person or what we see of him as a person I wouldn't be surprised if that's his thought process. Yeah, and I think there's no problem on either side, really, with this. I think Vettel's thought process makes sense. I think Ferrari's thought process makes sense. Ultimately, Leclerc was the stronger performer last year. There's no doubt about that. He is the future. And it doesn't make sense to treat a driver who was once your your main man, who ultimately no longer is, as if they still are. So sometimes these things do just come to a natural point where they realise, hang on a minute, this isn't quite going to work, is it? So... People look for blame in this. Ferrari fans will probably think, yeah, they're completely in the in the right and Vettel's in the wrong and vice versa. But actually I just think it, it it's come to a it's come to a, a natural conclusion, uh, shall we say. Yeah, it's difficult in circumstances like this to really determine how much of the split is mutual. It's a little bit like a like a breakup where the the, the, the jilted party sort of goes around telling everyone that they were the ones that did the dumping. Or that they, uh, you know, oh, it was a uh, we decided uh, it was a mutual decision to to split in football, for example. How often do you see a manager get the sack? But actually, they haven't got the sack. They've decided that is it like left with mutual consent is usually the the, the terminology. Well, a little bit like the mutual consent of we mutually consented for me to interrupt you there as I talked over you. But mutual consent does mean a number of things, doesn't it? It does mean that both sides could say, yeah, actually, we both agree we're not going to get to a point where we're both happy with this so we realize this isn't working it's not necessarily as simple as we both want this not to happen like I said I think Ferrari probably would have quite liked Vettel around at least for another year and I think Vettel would have liked to stay in Ferrari if if he could have done but it's this not at any cost uh, scenario that I think plays the part and leads to that realization that yeah do you know what we're not getting anywhere here we've got to move on no exactly and especially from you know the Ferrari Ferrari side of things you're not going to get necessary. I don't really see where they get a like for like replacement for for Vettel from Ricardo's Daniel Ricardo's the best bet because he's a proven race winner and someone who almost certainly could mount a title challenge in in the right car. 
Um, but he comes with uh, he comes with with uh, a hefty a hefty salary and, and an element of disruption that wouldn't be very good for for Leclerc, and that's one of the reasons why Vettel doesn't necessarily work that well with with Leclerc. But Ferrari's not looking for that like re- for like replacement. If they look at that and say, well, the reason we're offering you terms you don't like is because we kind of want a dynamic that puts Leclerc de facto number one. And then we want a proper support act. We'd love it to be you, Seb, but you're doing it on our terms, not your terms. So with that in mind, and with guys like Carlos Sainz Jr. available, on the, he's on the market for 2021. His contract with McLaren expires at the end of this year. You're in a, re, you're in a stronger position, aren't you, as Ferrari, I think, going into those negotiations. Um, that's not to say that Vettel wasn't willing to walk away from the negotiating table because he clearly was. Um, this wouldn't be a mutual decision if it was Vettel who was desperately trying to sign that new deal and Ferrari said, actually, no, we want to we want to change it up. So very much, very much mutual from Ferrari's point of view because they would want to keep Sebastian if they could, but they've got other options. And from Seb's point of view, because the bottom line is, as much as he loves Formula One and he has absolutely adored being a Ferrari driver, it isn't the be-all and end-all. And he's always had a really good grasp, of, a really good perspective, grasp of reality. So I just think from both sides, as sad as it is, it just reached the, an all, it's almost a natural conclusion, isn't it? Yes, and Vettel's almost too well-rounded a human being to be a world champion Formula One driver. That's not to denigrate uh, those who are world champions but they have to be extreme personalities by their very nature and I think Vettel almost um, isn't isn't quite quite that extraordinary though performer he is the interesting question is who goes there it's it's a prize seat just about every driver on the grid would like to be in the Ferrari Daniel Ricciardo and Carlos Sainz Jr. do appear to be the two at the front of the queue seem to be suggestions Sainz might be at the front right at the front of the queue at the moment it's an interesting one because I think if I was Ricciardo Obviously, I'd really want to be at, really want to be in a Ferrari seat. He wants an opportunity to fight for a world championship. Ferrari would hopefully give him the chance to do that. I mean, you mentioned he'd be expensive, but if I was Ferrari, I'd be looking at it thinking, "Hang on a minute, we're in an economic downturn. Renault are probably going to struggle to offer Ricardo what he's on at the moment, which is a huge amount of money." They probably look at it and think, "You know what? We could probably get you for a reasonable amount of money." I mean, I'm not talking about paying him a hundred grand a year or whatever. He will, he will need uh, 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 millions in the uh, in the pay packet. But I would think, look, you're in a position where you want a big, uh, a top car. You haven't got one. You're aging. I mean, he's not aging. He's in his prime, but he, so he's not old. But he has got a clock running against him. So I'd look at it and think, "Well, we've got this guy. We know how good he is. He's a race winning driver." He is a relatively low-friction teammate for Leclerc. I think he'll get on well with him, although we know Ricardo will go in expecting to assert himself as the lead driver. He's got a good, the right sort of personality for that to create towards the lower end of the problems that will, that will cause. You know how good he is. He wins races. He's plenty good enough to fight for a world championship. So I'd look at Ricardo and think he ticks all the boxes, actually, and I'd, I don't think he'd be as expensive as uh, as his current pay uh, would suggest so I'd lean towards Ricardo, but Sainz is a wonderful driver very accomplished took a big step forward last year would fit in well works well with the team there's a lot good about about Sainz as well so Ferrari is in a nice position that there are a lot of options including some of the what you might call the big ticket options we haven't really mentioned because Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso are both uh, technically available aren't they yeah they are I, I, I do think 
Uh, I do think it's probably a, a shootout between Sainz and Ricardo for the seat. Uh, I would. It's a bit of a cliche, but I would say that it's a bit of a head versus heart decision. My heart would would pick Ricardo. He's obviously a he's a driver further along in his career development, proven race winner, as we've both said now, capable of mounting a championship challenge. He'd slot right in. He's a great person to have in the team. He's a marketing dream from a Ferrari point of view. They'd get an absolute, get an absolute steal uh, for if they got Ricardo. As you say, I, I think he'd go for. I think he'd he'd take a pay cut from what he's he's on an enormous salary at, at Renault, um, and I think he'd take a pay cut to join Ferrari because this is the big career move he's been waiting for, and it's the first time the doors actually open for him. So, uh, it, and he's and a he's of, a pseudo Italian because he's yeah, of yeah, Italian exactly. descent. Exactly, and he speaks it fluently, doesn't he? As he indicated, at, was it at Monza? He 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 gave a very good, uh, very good example of his grasp of the Italian language. Yeah, if you, didn't ser- he? If you search on YouTube for Daniel Ricciardo Italian Monza something like that, you'll get quite a fun, uh, uh, a fun audio uh, there. He did that in a press conference once in Australia as well. It was uh, it was extremely funny. But yeah, Ricciardo, Ricciardo would, uh, yeah, Ricciardo would certainly fit in well. But as you, I was thinking, you were going to say, so would science. Yeah, well, it's it's more that while Ricardo has all of these factors going in his favour, I I just think, and this is where the head comes in, I just think the main factor against him is I don't think Ferrari want two equal drivers. And regardless of whether Leclerc's got on that long-term contract, regardless of whether this would be Ricardo's career farewell, shall we say, his his sort of last uh, his last go at a title. I think that's all the more reason to expect Ricardo to go in there all guns blazing. And I just think with what we saw between Vettel and Leclerc, when both of them are absolutely duking out for number one status, that is not that is not a productive uh, relationship. That isn't uh, that isn't going to be conducive to Ferrari putting its best foot forward to win win a title. We've seen from we've seen from the Mercedes side of things just how well it works when you have a really good dependable number two but a clear number one in terms of someone you can throw your weight behind for the championship. Lewis Hamilton is at his best because he's got a Valtteri Bottas alongside him, not a Nico Rosberg. And I think Carlos Sainz fits that from a Ferrari perspective much better than Ricardo does. And while I don't, while I personally would go for Ricardo because I just, I would like to see it. I think you want your two, the two best drivers available in the car. I just think investing in, Leclerc means that you do everything you can not to destabilize him and I think Sainz is a really good driver I think he came into his own last year I think it was a proper coming of age season and I think he's ready for a for a step up he's sort of paid his dues now in the in the midfield and he would just he would support Leclerc perhaps not quite as ably in terms of outright peak results as Ricardo, but he certainly wouldn't take points away from Leclerc in the way that Ricardo would. Yeah, I'm not completely convinced by that. I don't see Ricardo and Sainz as being so dissimilar in terms of what they've been looking at. Yeah, Sainz obviously hasn't had the wins as yet. He's only got one podium. But he's a very, very accomplished driver, a great executor of races. So I must admit, I don't... I don't I sort, I sort of group the drivers in a way that you've got Hamilton and Alonso. They're your two kind of world championship proven drivers, which I don't think Ferrari wants to go near. And then you've got this kind of group of the people who are very, very accomplished and proven. Ricardo is more proven than science, but they're both in similar territory, I would say. I don't necessarily see science as a driver who'd who'd settle in easily to a to a number two role. I think he's a you know, he's an intelligent operator who's learned how to lead a team with with McLaren. I must admit, if I was in their situation I wanted more of a 
driver who'd settle in to be a great number two, I'd lean towards Sergio Perez simply because I think probably his overall qualifying pace would not quite be strong enough. His race execution, brilliant. But I think Perez would be a better fit for that. Although Perez obviously would see himself as someone who can who can lead the team. You know, all of those options are very, very, very good drivers. But Sainz and Ricardo, yeah, Ricardo's a bit further along, but I think they come with probably similar potential consequences and risk. No driver would go there and willingly accept the the number two role. It's more just sort of what I think they would naturally slip into. I don't look at signs and see. I, I really rate signs, and I think with, I think over the next few years, I think he will develop into a really, really accomplished Grand Prix driver. And he, as I say, he did make a big step last year, but I don't see from him the sort of flashes that you see from Ricardo. I mean. Ricardo, it got to the point at Red Bull where it was only when Verstappen really, really got his act together and developed into a driver that Christian Horner said was the best in F1, even better than Lewis Hamilton, that that Verstappen was able to get a hold on on Ricardo. And I don't necessarily see signs to be quite at, at that level, but I think that plays to his advantage in terms of getting a, a Ferrari seat. Yeah, potentially. I mean, there have been some great performances from in Brazil last year, Austria, both both outstanding drivers, a very good, uh, very very good performer. But ultimately, either Ricardo or Sainz would be would be great to see in a Ferrari. Um, it's a shame there aren't uh, several Ferraris for them all to uh, for them all to jump in. So, I mean, there are obviously other candidates. Someone like Antonio Giovinazzi is automatically a candidate because he is a Ferrari junior. He's the next cab off the rank. He's part there at Alfa Romeo. So that is all in his favour. He's well-liked by Ferrari. He knows the team from his uh, simulator days. You say that so grudgingly, don't you? I like, because I, I, know, I, I know that you like Giovinazzi, but you saw you, you were really unconvinced by his uh, full rookie season last yeah, year. Yeah, he frustrates me, Giovinazzi. I think there's a lot of ability there. But too many just like little errors here and there, often sight unseen just frustrated me it wasn't just crashing out late at spa but you just look at him and think yeah you know there's a driver in there a really good one but there's no way he is anywhere near ready to be in a, in a ferrari and i think the only way you'd consider him is if you needed a stopgap for a year i can't see why ferrari would need a stopgap but i suppose maybe for one year they've got a driver who they know and who knows the ferrari engine just for for what's effectively 2020 part two but no it, it doesn't make any uh any sense to me you've got a good wild card though yeah, I think I've already mentioned him in this uh, in this discussion. I I wonder if Valtteri Bottas is going to sneak onto that shortlist because he's proven at Mercedes that he's capable of winning races. He's proven that he can be a proper support act when it comes to winning constructors championships, and I think he's the best wingman in in, in Formula One. He will see that as a as a as a as a negative because it, it suggests he's not capable of, of doing the business. And he was really hoping he'd have the opportunity to show this year that he's made the gains he needs to, to beat Hamilton over a season, but he's never been able to completely win over Mercedes faith because they've always had someone like Esteban Ocon, or they've been holding out for Max Verstappen or however you want to look at it. They've never given him more than a, a, a little one year reprieve. And he's admitted he's, he's grown frustrated with that, that role. And if Ferrari wants to, you know, get a driver in who isn't necessarily going to topple Leclerc. He's going to do a job and he's just going to be absolutely what you need from a number two driver, but also, also score a little victory against Mercedes. Tempting Bottas away is a really effective way of doing that because that's going to destabilise Hamilton and Mercedes. Bottas has slotted in really well at that team. He's really well thought of. 
He's brought the best out of Lewis. And it's also going to mean that they put someone else in the car, someone like Esteban Ocon or more likely George Russell, because Ocon's on a two-year deal at Renault that Mercedes can't interfere with. If you put Russell in the car, yeah, maybe he's going to take a year to to, to really to, to bed in and get up to speed. But he's also going to go in there absolutely you know, determined and desperate to prove himself up against the best of his generation, probably the, possibly even the best of all time in, in Hamilton. So that a Bottas exit to Ferrari strengthens Ferrari and weakens Mercedes in more ways than one. So I can't imagine that's going to be top of the agenda when it comes to Ferrari picking its driver, but there are quite a few ticks in Bottas's column as well. He's a potentially available driver who's very, very, uh, very accomplished. Uh, yeah, very big long shot. But I think it, what all this shows is Ferrari have got a lot of contenders. The ball is very much in their courts. As, as far as the the team's concerned, it's a buyer's market. They're one of only three teams in Formula 1 that can be pretty much guaranteed to offer a shot at race wins next season. So what a great position. Everyone wants to drive for, for Ferrari. Let's flick back to Vettel. What now for him? He says he needs to take a little bit of time to reflect. What do you think is going to happen to him? He's only 32. He he is only only thirty two. I think there was there's a quote from or I can't remember the exact quote, but there's a sentiment from Mark Webber from a few years ago. I think that does the rounds and obviously has been revived at a time like this, which is about Vettel's doing everything early. You know, getting into F one early, winning early, having a kid early, and then I think Webber's sentiment was he'll probably go and race for Ferrari for a bit, and then he'll retire early as well. And I at this point. I, I really think that's the likeliest scenario, and I and I say that with you know we don't play favourites as journalists, but I do say that with a heavy heart because I really like Seb. I think he brings a lot to Formula One. He's the um, he's the second most accomplished driver on the grid in terms of titles, four-time world champion. He will, whether you like him or loathe him, he will go down statistically as one of the greatest of all time. And it would be a shame to see the back of him, but I, I like Seb too much. I respect what he's achieved too much to see him end up toiling in the midfield just for the sake of sticking in Formula 1. I think, as Ricardo has proven, there is there is no other way to phrase going to a midfield team and hoping that their potential comes good as calling it a gamble. So that's all Vettel would be doing. And at this stage of his career, with all these achieved, does he need to be doing that? I don't want to see it. I don't really see how it furthers his legacy. I don't think if he can't get any, if he, if he can't get enjoyment out of trying and to to rescue his reputation, for want of a better way of putting it, at Ferrari, I don't really see where the motivation is in in leading an, a midfield team. But maybe he maybe he'll be excited by the prospect of pro, of building a project. But I I I feel like it's now more tipped more towards a retirement for Vettel, and that is that sounds. If that sounds dramatic, it, it it feels it, and maybe it sounds harsh, but that it's difficult not to feel like that has this decision has pushed Vettel more towards the exit door than it has towards another team. Yeah, well, I think retirement is more likely. I'd quite like him to carry on. I don't think he's going to get a, a top drive, so he's going to have to be looking at midfield options. McLaren he's been linked with, Renault he's been linked with, Racing Point, which becomes Aston next year. I quite like the idea of... You love that, don't well, you? The, you, abs- the, you love that idea. The reason is we we did a piece on therace.com, and don't forget the hyphen if you want to head there, saying what should Vettel do next? Uh, and I sort of thought about this, and it's a slightly different thing to the question of what will Vettel do next, as I think probably most likely he there's still options available to him, but I think most likely I agree he's probably likely to end up going into retirement. But... 
what I'd love to see is him saying, right, I want to stick at this for another five years or something. I don't want it to end like it's ended at, at Ferrari and go to a team that he thinks got a chance. And, and I really like the, the racing point slash Aston Martin option. You know, he's an Anglophile, worked well for Aston Martin. And I do think that's a team that might be able to get the best out of him. So I think the Ferrari environment hasn't been so good for Vettel. He's quite an emotional character. Red Bull were outstanding at keeping that under control and channeling Vettel, which is why he was so wonderful at, at Red Bull when he won all those championships. I mean, forget the revisionist history. People say, oh, it was dead easy. It wasn't. He did some extraordinary things in that period. And what's happened at Ferrari since doesn't change that. So there is a driver in there. He doesn't have... Lewis Hamilton's ability or Max Verstappen's ability to be kind of a man for all seasons, so to speak, but get things right. And he's a wonderful, wonderful driver. And I'd love to see him have the desire and the determination to want to say, yeah, I'm going to commit to this project and try and help them get uh, back to the front. Whether that thing, that means I think he will is another matter, but that there's a part, I mean, I've seen, a, 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 I've covered all of Vettel's world championships. I remember, first encountering him when he was in Formula BMW, absolutely destroying the opposition in the, in the German championship. I think he, he's a driver with a touch of magic about him. And I'd be a little bit, I think it'd be a little bit sad for Formula One if he if he kind of slid out after a slightly unsatisfactory end to his Ferrari time. Although, of course, what will probably happen now is he'll drive for the team in 2020 and win the world championship and then uh, cause all sorts of, uh, all sorts of problems. F- fanciful suggestion, maybe, but I mean, I am interested to see what effect getting out of the, getting half out of the Ferrari environment is a better way to put it, because that pressure will be different now when he races. Maybe we'll see the best of Vettel some t- suddenly. The car will be good, and then he he wins a a twelve race championship, and then leaves everyone scratching their heads. And don't forget as well that the pressure changes um, internally within the team because the emphasis will now be on Leclerc to be the team leader. So that that pressure within within the within the garage turns on its head doesn't it all of a sudden Vettel's relieved his shoulders aren't bearing the same weight as they were before but Leclerc's not the plucky young underdog that everyone loves he's he, he is F1's darling of the moment but when he goes into the season as the one expected to challenge all of a sudden those errors that he made through the course of last season suddenly they they, they carry extra weight and Vettel will be free from that side of things. He's acknowledged that driving for Ferrari is just a little bit different. The pressure is a little bit different than than it is elsewhere. And I think you're right. I think there's a chance that he could thrive under this. I I I love the idea of him bowing out with a title. Like that would be incredible if he can finally if he if after he's decided to call it quits, he's heading into retirement and that's the moment. He proves all the doubters wrong. He he does what Alonso couldn't. He is the one who ends who who ends the 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 title drought for Ferrari and emulates uh, Michael Schumacher would be absolutely phenomenal. But even if it doesn't get to that stage, all I hope all I hope is that we get a proper season or something of a season in in 2020. Because for me, the big disappointment would be Vettel not being... It's not that he can't go out on his own terms. It's that he deserves a farewell. He deserves to say goodbye to Ferrari and potentially Formula 1 altogether with a proper farewell. It needs to be a, 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 it needs to be something fitting of a guy who's won four world championships and will go down as one of the best in, in Formula 1 history. If it goes... If it goes down in a way where the season sort of peters out, there aren't any races or there are only sort of eight, the bare minimum, and it's all done in a really weird way, that just wouldn't really be fitting for me. So whatever it is, I just hope Vettel has a has a proper chance to to go out on a high, even if it's not quite 
winning a championship, as you say, in, in what would be quite spectacular fashion. Yeah, what we, what we want to see is is these these great drivers performing at their best. That's what sport is all about: seeing these athletes performing and showing what they can do. So I think it would be good for whatever happens if it is going to be a farewell at the end of this year that he can go out on a high. And if he decides he wants to continue, he can find a project and something that really uh, really appeals to him. We should think about his Ferrari legacy and the bigger picture of his time with Ferrari. He's right up there in terms of most successful Ferrari drivers. Well, obviously not, not there with Michael Schumacher, but he comes out very well if you look at number of wins, etc. He went there as the, the great hope to be the, the new, almost the new Schumacher at, uh, at Ferrari, wasn't he? He was the new hope after Alonso. And it all started very nicely in 2015 with those three wins. He's had sort of half a run at the World Championship in 2017, a proper run at the World Championship in 2018. Last couple of years, a lot of mistakes. So how how do you think, assuming we can't we can't judge by what's to come this year, but if if it was to stop now, what would his Ferrari legacy be? I think he has to go down as one of the the best Ferrari drivers of all time. Um, it seems a bit it seems a bit harsh to say, but he's in this sort of weird no man's land. I think between like the real the real legends of Ferrari, so Yashimakas. Schumacher, Yuraskari, Lauda, and even Fangio obviously won a world title there, even though he was there for the what a third of a modern Formula One season. <laughs> yeah, Fangio didn't entirely get on with uh, with Ferrari. No, I think he, did he complete a grand total of seven Grand Prix or something like that for for Ferrari? But he still won a world title, so he's still a legend there. But Vettel's sort of much further away than that sort of group of driver. And much closer, statistically as much as anything, to the likes of Kimi Raikkonen and then your number twos like Barrichello and Massa. I think I think he leaves with a much stronger legacy than someone like Alonso. I know that Alonso put in some real heroics during his time at Ferrari, came super close to winning the world title, much closer than than, than Vettel did. But I think if you look at if you look at the impact that he had on the team, the terms that he 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 conducted himself with with the team, and how he leaves the team. Plus, statistically, uh, all his wins, it's like 14 wins, isn't it? He's he's third on the, the all-time list for, for wins, third on the list for, for, for podiums as well. And all in, all in you know, well, barely a century of, of starts. So I, I think Vettel does go down as one of the absolute best. It's just a shame that he never quite delivered on neither his promise nor the sort of dream that he had of joining the likes. So, you know, he wasn't going to go there and win five consecutive titles with Schumacher. That would have been unrealistic. But to join that exclusive band of uh, of drivers who have won a world title with Ferrari, that was always the goal. And it's he's had a very good career at Ferrari, I think. I think certainly more successful than people give him credit for. Finishing second to a guy like Lewis Hamilton twice is no mean feat. But it hasn't quite it hasn't quite had the, the, the peaks, shall we say, that it should have. Yeah, I think ultimately it'll probably be remembered as uh, as a few too many mistakes at key moments, which is uh, which is a real shame. I found Vettel. I mean, I've been critical of Vettel, Vettel at times in the past few years, and purely because there were too many there were too many errors. You know, at times he's had a sort of one in three significant blunder strike rate, which is just which is just too much. Uh, I'm interested to see if he can uh, cut back on those little bits once the season gets gets going. But I think it will be a legacy of. Yeah, unfulfilled hopes at, at Ferrari. So maybe that throws him in with a, I don't know, someone like an Alan Prost type type figure who obviously uh, went there, 
ended more acrimoniously with him being uh, dropped just before the end of the season. Actually, if you look at our sister podcast, Bring Back V10s, which tells classic F1 stories, you'll be able to find the whole story of uh, of Prost and Ferrari in the, the first two episodes of that. Good little seamless plug there I've I've thrown in. But I think it will be a, it'll be a frustrating legacy, and I think it will be con- most consistently used as a stick to beat Vettel when it comes to debates about how good he was. And I think there will be those who will just claim that, oh, it just shows he was just a, an average Grand Prix driver who got lucky, which is not remotely the case. He's far, far, far better than that, even though he falls short of uh, of what someone like Lewis Hamilton can uh, can do. We should also briefly consider the knock-on effects to the rest of the driver market, which is a, a tricky question because it all really hinges on what happens with a Ferrari seat and what happens with Vettel. But always you end up with drivers who are down the chain and one domino falls and then a few other dominoes fall and then suddenly oh there's adrian Sutil being affected in the driver market not sure i uh, pull Sutil from i don't think he's a he's a contender but you know a driver who is sort of down the, down the ranking and waiting to see what other people slot in because they're kind of seen as a good capable performer so who does this put an interesting in an interesting position it's not just those who are hoping for the ferrari seat but those who could be impacted by the the knock-on effects isn't it i can see nico hulkenberg seeing this as the best opportunity to get back on the f1 grid next year i think of the guys not in f1 in not in f1 at the moment i think hulkenberg's got a better chance than alonso has for example of, of coming back hulkenberg would be a really good guy for renault to sign if they lost ricardo and they wanted someone for a short term Slotting. You should go back in time about 18 months and tell Cyril a bit of all that. Yeah, well, the, hey, you, do you know what? You should have this guy called Hulkenberg. One of the reasons I suggest that is, let, let's say Ricardo goes to Ferrari. Let's say Renault have a go at signing Vettel, which they would, and Vettel doesn't fancy it, and attempts to bring in Fernando Alonso to get him to return to Renault, which would potentially appeal to both parties. Don't come off. They'll be thinking, well, hang on a minute. We've got Esteban Ocon, who will have settled in by then, admittedly. But in Hulkenberg, you've got someone who knows the team, who will have kind of knowledge of the car stretching back to an earlier iteration of it. So actually, if they, if they don't have a good long-term option, he could be a good uh, a good stopgap. So, you know, and it, it, it does, I agree, just pulls Hulkenberg a little bit closer back into the F1 orbit. And if not at Renault, then maybe McLaren. If Sainz is the one who's signed by, by, by Ferrari and uh, Ricardo doesn't move across from Renault to McLaren to replace him, then maybe Hulkenberg appears at, at McLaren. Yeah, I'd be su- I'd be surprised if Ricardo doesn't move to McLaren. To be honest, if that happens, but it depends where he really thinks Renault is. So I think it's funny, even if Ricardo was not to be signed by Ferrari, which would be a bitter blow for him, it does potentially open up a bit of a manoeuvrability for him. It do- it definitely does. My, my only my only worry there is that if if what he's seen behind the scenes at Renault has convinced him that there is still something there and that their commitment to F one doesn't waver, I I just see McLaren as McLaren represents a bit more of a sideways move than, let's say, the logic that was there in terms of moving from Red Bull to Renault, if you see what I mean. Like McLaren, I think of the two, McLaren is more likely to fight for wins and titles in F1 before Renault. I do think that's the case. But whether Ricardo quite sees it that way obviously remains to be seen. The the two drivers, I think, uh, they're sort of sticking with the Renault theme. But just on on the basis that I think if, I think Ricardo's got a good chance of of leaving Renault, whether it's for Ferrari or McLaren. Let's say he does. If you don't go back to Hulkenberg, I can see a couple of guys like Guan Yu Zhu or uh, um, Christian Lungard in Formula Two seeing that as a, an opportunity. You know, Joe comes with 
plenty of backing. Uh, Renault would uh, would get a lot out of having a Chinese driver, and he's and he's and he's very quick and accomplished. And Lungard's another member of the of the academy. He's a Renault protege, so they've got that academy in place to find drivers and bring them through to Formula One. That if Ocon settles in nicely this year and proves himself to be capable of leading the team in Ricardo's absence, why not promote from within? Well, Cyril Abitable recently talked about that, that the academy's there for a reason, so that's definitely possible. It'll always create potential openings and opportunities, and it'll be interesting to see what the ripple effect is. I mean, remember what happened when Ricardo signed for Renault unexpectedly. It, it took a driver market that was looking somewhat moribund and, and made it ridiculously dramatic uh, and all over the place. And there, there could yet be something unexpected happening. It had looked like the extension of, of these cars into next year, a response to the uh the the COVID-19 pandemic and the economic impact would kind of freeze everything to a certain extent because people wouldn't want to change but this Vettel move this is a major building block that's just been yanked out and that's going to have all sorts of ripple effects on people's careers yeah the one the one thing that I think doesn't change is I don't I think we've talked about why he wouldn't oh well we've talked that he doesn't necessarily have the option of going to another big team Mercedes obviously speaks for itself they've got Hamilton they've got the other drivers I also don't think he goes back to Red Bull because while my understanding is before they locked down Verstappen to a new deal Red Bull were very open to the prospect of Vettel returning they're still on really good terms it's obviously an environment that suits him really well it's the same people there so he's on he's got a great relationship with them and it would basically just be like old times but they've signed Verstappen to a new long-term deal and I think they're slightly more encouraged by Alex Albon as a number two than they were when Albon first joined after the summer break last year. So with that in mind, I just think that while Red Bull isn't necessarily unrealistic from a Vettel perspective, I think it's a bit like Ferrari. I just think it doesn't work for, for either party now because Verstappen's there long term. So he'd only be going there as a number two. We know that he's not interested in the number two. So whereas the last... Uh, the last couple of years or the last couple of times the driving market has properly exploded, we've been sort of trying to work out what the ramifications are at Red Bull, whether it was Ricardo leaving and creating a gap or then Ricardo's replacement, Pierre Gasly, getting booted halfway through the year and Alex Albon coming in. Red Bull's sort of been at the heart of the big uh, big moves over the last couple of seasons. On this occasion, although it's one of their, you know, it's their most famous son uh, being 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 turfed out at, at Ferrari or walking out of Ferrari, however one you, you want to look at it, I think Red Bull will be completely immune from this. Yeah, I'd be very surprised if Red Bull went back to him. I guess you can never completely rule anything out because of their past connection with him. But yeah, they, they just don't seem interested in that. And same for, for Mercedes. It's just I don't think Vettel is uh, is on the horizon for them. But this is going to be fascinating to to follow. There's loads of stuff to read about this on therace.com. And don't forget the hyphen. We've got various opinions on, on what could happen, analysis of what has happened. And of course, plenty from the world of F1 to read there do check out our sister podcasts including the aforementioned bring back v10s we've also got the race esports podcast and the race MotoGP podcast and the gary anderson f1 show as well we've got an episode coming out overnight which will have gary anderson's thoughts on the whole sebastian vettel situation so stay home stay safe and join us again on the race f1 podcast <laughs>